1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rule The Rich Podcast. Look, you know, I, I, people have called me, uh, I think it was Ricky from The Fighting Cock called me a wet flannel for my, <laughs> for my post-game reactive thoughts. I, I didn't think it was that bad. He took, he took particular objection to me, uh, to me saying maybe it was time to say goodbye to Harry Kane. So, all right, you know, I'll, 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 I'll take that one on the chin. But uh, here for, for a more perhaps balanced talk, I don't know, I've got Big John Bass. Welcome hey, to the podcast, mate. How are you doing? Good, I'm
2: good. Thanks very much for having me. It's nice to it's nice to be on a pod that I listen to so frequently. So thank you, mate, for having me.
1: Appreciate no, I'm, I'm quite enjoying. I'm quite enjoying now being like, what am I like? The reserves of the fighting cock. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like keeping you lot fit when uh, Flav's got you out of rotation, sort of thing. So
2: yeah, it's like a like an under 21s game, isn't it? It's like I don't really want to be here, but you know, I've so, got to do it. I've got to keep the fitness level I'll, to a certain.
1: I'll you know? I'll, uh, I'll crack my knuckles and show everyone what it's all about, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Getting uh, get back in. How, how are you feeling, mate? Let's let's just fucking dive in. How how are you feeling yeah. after that after that weekend's debacle? Debacle? Debauchery? What? How do you even <laughs> say that word?
2: Debacle, isn't it? But there I've heard because debacle sounds Scottish to me. Debacle. So I think, debacle. Uh, let's go for debacle. Yeah, I um I was thinking about this actually, mate. Before I joined the call, and I was thinking, how do I feel? And then I, I basically reflected on what I did when I got back from. Um, the fighting cock social watching the game. And the first thing I did is I put on Ken Burns' Vietnam War documentary (laughs) to cheer me up. (laughs) Um, So that kind of gives you some idea of um, where my mental state was, that, you know, a a horrific war, an unjust war, was the way to take my mind off off the football. Um, Having had a couple of days to kind of process it all and doing my very best to avoid social media and, and basically looking at gooners mainly... Um, basking in the glory of, of that game. I'm, I'm kind of uh, where I have been for a little while, which is that it's it's all well and good um, playing in a very uh, conservative, structured, kind of orchestrated plan, you know, low block and counter type way, as long as you win. And the minute you don't win, everyone's got the knives ready to go. And that's kind of how I personally feel as well, which is like, I'm on board as long as we're winning. Um, and so it's compounded by the fact we lose to them, makes it doubly bad. And then you then start playing in your mind like all these other things of, but is this is this actually going to be successful for us longer term? And you then get in this perpetual kind of downward spiral of we're shit, we play shit, I hate Spurs, everything's shit. Um, and then, you know, you try to give yourself a bit more balance, don't you? Where you think, okay, look, I need to take a step back and realise that Conte isn't perfect despite um, contrary beliefs by a lot of our fan base but he will hopefully learn and we have seen this kind of I've seen it a few times on social people saying well look he went there with Chelsea with it the season they won the league and this was kind of a similar outcome and he changed things and it went forward now I'm not a massive believer in necessarily saying well this is going to happen to us we're suddenly gonna win the league but I do feel like maybe this is a hopefully an opportunity for us to to change a few things because I wouldn't say I'm delighted with the direction of travel at the moment mate to be fair regardless of this result
1: well this is it right because there's there's a lot to unpack here and we will go into sort of various different elements of this over the course of the pod um right now I mean one of the big reactions I've seen from quite a lot of our lot is either and I get it right people people don't want to just wallow in misery right they want to be positive and they want to look forwards and I completely understand that but i do think there's a fair amount of like invalidating any concerns from anybody about this and it's often brushed off with this kind of well actually you know the stats will show that we were you know one of the ones that's kind of going around a lot at the moment to anybody that has complained about this game is like this i would i would challenge anybody that has just been like willfully appropriating it to properly explain it but two lines on a graph basically showing that the two teams were even until Emerson Royale's red card that's that was that's just so disingenuous like it's such a in my opinion it's that kind of misuse of data that people like to do to try and use it as a trump card to to exert kind of some kind of intellectual dominance over a conversation Mm. which is you know football's an emotional game at the end of the day people are going to have a visceral reaction to things and I understand that statistics do tell half the story a lot of the time and they are useful for context but in this instance, that is not the game that I. I don't think anybody watched a game where those two teams were were even. I think Spurs were maybe coming back into it toward the tail end of the first half, but Arsenal again came out the blocks in the second half. And Emerson Morales tackle. We will we we will talk about this. Was it was it not a red kind of thing? But either way, it was a product of Spurs being under a lot of pressure and Emerson being frustrated. And like you say about this Conte system, I think my my biggest problem with it is, and and you're entirely right. Like when it when it works, it's great, and we can all have a we can all sort of have that sigh of relief, like the Wolves game. Ah, oh, it's great, you know. Whatever, three points, we we got it. It doesn't matter how it came, we've got three points. But is that is that the only way we want to kind of enjoy football? Just just looking back and. Again, I don't know. I've been prone to it myself sort of saying that in the past few years, you know, Spurs have played at times nice football, but we've not gotten anything over the line. Maybe this is what we need to get something over the line. But it it, it is particularly hard to swallow in games like at this weekend, seeing Arsenal, as they have done for most of the past couple of seasons now, actually starting to play play pretty nice football with a sort of... with a clear identity, a clear style of what it is that they want to do. Uh, Kind of a real strong kind of team bond there. I I can't, the thing is I hate, I I can't take anything away from them this weekend. I really can't. Like Mm. they did us, they looked like us under Pochettino. That's, that's the most painful thing about it is a team that's sort of fighting for each other that believes in their manager, believes in what they're doing. And I look at us and I look at this kind of cold, Clinical kind of outfit that, yeah, might be doing very sort of perfunctory jobs and things like that, but it's just, it isn't Spurs to me. It's not. And I've, I've had these concerns about Conte all along, and I don't, I'm not just completely doing this. I don't, I don't just want to watch this. I'm going to have a big tantrum, get him out kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, I just don't, I don't enjoy watching this. I don't enjoy seeing Spurs go to the Emirates and invite the amount of pressure that we did onto us in the hope that we can fling a ball up to Kane and Son and see them do what they do. Look, we're not allowed to make this comparison, but it feels all very Mourinho-made mm. to me. It does. And I haven't, I haven't seen a single person make a coherent or clear argument to tell me, other than the fact that Conte has a bigger focus on fitness than Mourinho did, what is really that different about what we're doing now than what we were doing under Mourinho.
2: Yeah. See th- this is this is also my concern because and again this would be absolute classic Spurs if we we got Mourinho, we already saw he was on the way down because, it, you know, the way it ended at United. And then Conte, I, mean, I was calling for for us to get Conte when we appointed Nuno, because he was available then, as you remember, but we didn't get him over the line. Because I was just like, he is the best manager in the world available at this moment in time. Yep. We have aspirations on doing something special. We need to hire him. We didn't, it went wrong, and then we got him. So I was super excited, right?
1: Well, think, same here, same here. I'm not going to revise anything yeah. on that.
2: And, and to be fair, I also had a, like a few concerns over... Play style because I again I do remember I think it was his like Italy team were quite functional, but I remember this whole like and I'm very much like the Yadar football man like that is my kind of it's that and probably like five percent of modern football parlance yeah. is is my sort of sphere right so I, I kind of heard this whole like automations it's like you you play into a certain person and you as that player receiving the ball you know where to pass it you don't have to think you just play it right and it's almost just like shapes on a pitch in the same way as tick attacker is all triangles right and you pass it and I was thinking okay cool it's not not for me but I get it and at least it's like you can see the structure and you can you can actually, if you watch the game and you know what to look for, you can go, okay, cool. It's going out to the right back. He's going to play it first time into such a central midfield blind, and he knows the player's going to be there. I haven't seen any of that for us. I, I just don't see these automations. I just don't see the structure. And that's what worries me is like, have we basically got, are we going to be the club that's Conte's Man United for Mourinho, where the cracks start to appear in, yeah. in a system that's worked for a long time, has brought success, and are starting now to see cracks because teams have figured it out and have worked out a way to to do it. That's what worries me. And if I look at like the trend of football and successful teams around the world, no one plays like that. Like The best teams in the world do not play like we play. And they haven't done for a while. I mean, the last team that played, again, to my limited Yadar knowledge of football... Teams that have like had sustained periods of success playing this way was like that Atletico Madrid team that was regularly getting to like Champions League, you know, semi-finals. Uh, got to a you know position where they could actually win the league. I think they won a league title. They were pretty close on a few occasions. Playing very sit in counter attack, score, defend perfectly, perfect defensive performances in order to to get results. Right, and they've started to not really be what they were either now. Like they've sort of waned a little bit in terms of their kind of grip on pushing Barcelona and Real Madrid in Spain like that's kind of seemingly going a little bit right and then I look at maybe Tuchel's Chelsea had a bit of that but the way they played as well was a lot more front foot and possession and they have players who can keep the ball and and break teams down I just don't see us being capable of doing that and I'm not I'm not even necessarily saying that's a Conte issue because I also just think when people look at talk about that Chelsea team, I think sometimes they forget the, some of the players they had. Like yeah. Fabregas is one of the the. I mean, whether we like it or not, because he's a, a Gunners scumbag, one of the best creative central yeah. midfielders the game's ever seen. Like he's won everything, lots of times. Like the guy is a phenomenon. We don't have a player anywhere near like a Fabregas in our squad. They've they had like Hazard and all these other players. Now we've got great quality, but I just don't see us being able to switch to to a kind of system that's going to be able to change. And I I tweeted after the game, we play a system that is reliant on your fullbacks, basically being your best players or your most important players. We have one that's really good and he's 33 in Perisic. And so I do worry that he's so stubborn about this system. Uh, We don't have necessarily the personnel to really get the most out of it. And maybe the system is just a bit old Maybe the game has just moved on because they do the, the game changes in two or three year cycles quite quickly and it maybe that's my worry is that we're we are witnessing the end of his dominance as a tactical manager. I really hope not Jack, but that's what worries me, mate
1: Well it's pretty mad because when I I think about sort of the tail end of last year right and I think about even the games we have won this year and I understand like some might say, well, this is what he's he makes a contingency for. But I don't really see us kind of winning many games out of a, uh, out of him being some sort of tactical mastermind. I mm. see us winning games because we, number one in the tail end of last year, Kulosevsky announced himself as an absolutely fucking amazing player better yeah. than I think we were expecting him to yeah. be, who could literally win us games with the sort of delivery he could put into Kane or Son. And having Kane and Son up top, that's kind of that's how I see us winning games. I don't, I don't, I don't. There was, I think there was one, there was one little move we did in in that game against Arsenal on the counter where we played a few really nice passes, and I think Kane just overhit his pass to Son when we were on mm. the break, and it would have been like a really lovely counter. But I don't, I don't see Spurs playing like you said, like these automations and things that people seem to be imagining (laughs) that are existing. I don't see us doing much other than getting the ball generally to Kulosevsky, who plays a great ball into Kane or Son. I don't don't ever see us... Even the the crazy thing is, right, even that Leicester game, right? If if people want to talk about this Arsenal game, right, as in... Because I've seen it reduced to, oh, all that happened was a couple of moments of madness, which was Lloris throwing a goal into the back of his own net and Emerson Royale getting sent off. I mean, I could reduce our win against Leicester to really a shit game in which we didn't really dominate at all. And then Son came off the bench and had a point to prove and scored a freakish hat-trick. That game, that game wasn't a 6-2 game at no. all. It wasn't. like It was a, it was a hard-fought 3-2 victory, really. Um, and that's football, right? I mean, it, 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 mad stuff does happen and you have to account for that. But I think to continually say that kind of these things happening for us. Basically, the, the freakish bit... Well, I mean, maybe, maybe that is. Maybe Conte knows. You know, he knows, basically, I have players of that ability on the mm-hmm. pitch. So if you get them the ball, they can score. Arteta said that himself. He said, you know, with, with the sort of players that Spurs have, you can never kind of rest easy. You always have to be top of your game. And I do get that. But it, it just seems... In terms of my, like, Mourinho comparison, it just seems that we are largely just saying... Our purpose in in football is to just stop the opposition team scoring, and we have Kane and Son, so we know we can probably score goals. It's mm. it just it feels. I, I said this in the in the the post match sort of little solo pod thing I do, where I was just saying it's funny that really, if you really sort of look at it, Ben Tanker and Ho, um, Hoibier. I nearly said Harland. I fucking wish <laughs> Ho, uh function in our team is pretty much reduced to just tackle, mm-hmm. just be just be sort of sat in there and tackle people. Because I don't think either of them really get the chance to show what they can do as sort of ball-playing kind of midfielders. Their primary function really is to break up play and then just release it out to the front three. It's just... I don't know. I, I, I completely get that, you know, some people say you're overreacting because it's Arsenal and it's a painful result. But can you... Can you honestly look back at this season, John Atoll, and say we've played well and we look like a team that's kind of should be sitting third in the table?
2: I mean, this is this has been my basically quandary after every game, which is like I'm happy because we've won the game and you know we we're putting points on the board and that's what you need to do. And I've like been quite comfortable in the fact of okay, cool, we've getting points and we're not playing well. The difference I think though is if and I, I guess. Arsenal have kind of witnessed this a little bit themselves. You, If you're creating, I don't know, 12 chances, right? And then you win the game 2-1 and you're like, well, we didn't play that well. We create a lot of chances, you know, we need to be more clinical. I think that's one thing because you're like, well, we just convert a couple more chances and suddenly we can smash teams. But we're, we're not playing that way. We're not sort of like dominating teams but just not being able to get the job done. We are actually sort of scraping results. And that's like, again, I think you can... Always play these things in two ways. One is like, well, maybe we're not that good. (laughs) We're getting lucky, right? Or like, again, from my perspective, I've been very much on this um, mindset, and and to a certain extent, I still kind of feel that way. Which is that, but if we do start playing well, then suddenly it's a different story. And I think that when, you know, I I think as football fans, we all have short memories, right? The last, let's say, ten games of last season, in the main, we were playing quite well, and it was quite exciting, and I could, I could feel like. Balls were getting played into, you know, Hoiberg, Bentancur. They were playing like passes into, like Kane dropping deep. It would go back to them, and then there'd be a ball over the top, and it would seem like there was set movements happening and things happening. Yeah. So I do feel like we still haven't seen the players click yet this season. So I do feel like we definitely have gears to go up, and if we do that and we do start just pumping teams playing this way, then again, like the the sort of paradigm shifts again a little bit. But I do think it's. If you just take out like games in isolation and just do look at bigger trends, I do think it is a little bit it is a little bit frustrating just to, the way that we the way that we play. I just don't think really like lends itself to being an enjoyable experience. It is just like attrition. It's just like get it done at all costs. And going back to your point in terms of you know the players we've got not being able to kind of be unleashed a little bit. I was just thinking about, okay, let's take Royale aside, right, getting sent off kind of rules him out. No one actually played badly, really. Like, I thought Lloris was bad, and I thought Royale was bad. Aside from that, I don't think anyone was awful, and yet we didn't play well. Like, I thought, like, the Romero didn't have his best game. He's not played well, actually, all season. I thought Dyer was fine. I thought Longley was fine. Benzikor was pretty good. Hoiberg was fine. I thought players were fine. And I think this is kind of again part of the issue for me. It's like often we go to that ground and players just have stinkers and just have nightmares mm. across the pitch and we just look shocking. This isn't that because they're not they're not risking anything. Like players aren't trying to play progressive and giving the ball away and doing mad shit. They're very like within themselves. And I think just as our nature as Spurs fans, we want we want to see players like go for it. And I just I just haven't seen us do that early excitement that we, I think we had under Conte, which was pressing on the front foot, shutting people down like we had with Poch, where... It seems like you are trying to get the ball high up the pitch. I keep hearing that. Oh, we're we pressing much higher up the pitch. That's the main difference between Mourinho. I'm not seeing that. No, at all.
1: nor no, no, me. Not at all. So
2: yeah, I don't know, mate. I, I I basically I don't want to I don't want to do the classic thing that everyone does, which is one result, we're the shittest team in the world, Conte's gotta go, then we win 6 0 next week and I'm like, he's the best manager ever, we're brilliant. But I just I do I do worry, I do have a sort of a general concern over the sort of the direction of travel and i do worry that and i know you've spoken about this a lot we don't we have a limited amount of time with kane and son like we really do and we have to do something quite soon and my worry is that you go out and like a blaze of glory scoring a million goals and coming up short and everyone's well in love with it and thinking fucking hell at least we just saw us just blitz teams like we had with um potch or you just go out like this <laughs> like just, just defending and slowly getting whittled down to a nub, like just that, just...
1: isn't it? It's just like a sort of a fart in a windstorm, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just great, you know, nice one. Um, and that's a really good point of putting it. Like you would like to see us go out in that blaze of glory. It's kind of it, that's that's when I think about really the most fun we've had as Spurs fans is your Yoles, is your Red Naps, is yep. your Pochettino, where we kind of have just gone for it a bit more, and it has been more. You know, the whole sort of modus operandi of the club is to that was a bit David Brent wasn't it but the <laughs> the whole MO of the club is to like to dare us to do do you know what I mean like yeah. it's just I just don't I do get it I do get because you know I, I sort of tweet some of this stuff sometimes and people are just like you know it's, it's fans like you that mean that we don't I mean that's bollocks for a start like yeah. it's come on it's nothing to do with what fans do or don't want at the end of the day it's it is this it's this desperate and this this is what I feel that it is at the moment. Like it's it's shared with sort of certain sections of the fan base and it's obviously the higher ups at the club. There's this just this desperate clamouring for a tangible success whilst we whilst we do have the Kane Son type era players before we have to do that proper rebuild. And I think we we are in the in the throes of it. Yeah, you know, we have got players like Romero, we have got players like Kulosevsky who are part of the new generation now. It's good that they're getting some time to learn from some of the sort of more senior players and be in that environment for a while before we probably do have to take a couple of seasons finishing eighth or whatever, you know, like as we've seen Arsenal do for a few years sort of thing. Because um, I, I, it, I think it's going to be horrible when Kane and Son are gone, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. It, don't, don't you think though, Jack? I mean, I think this is a really interesting point, right? Which is like... Arsenal fans now, I I think they don't see the irony in their situation. They are happier now, like as a fan base, they are enjoying what is happening now way more than the the couple of seasons when they won the FA Cup. Of course. Right? And they don't understand the irony in saying to us when the whole pot was happening and we were all just... That's the most involved I've ever been in, in Spurs. The most enjoyment I've had, like, being... Like associated with the club, being around that team, those players, the feeling I got from all my friends who are like really enjoying this momentum, it really did feel completely different to anything I'd experienced before or since. They would like given a shit for that. I would trade what we have now for that feeling again, and we're probably closer now in so many ways to being in that kind of upper echelons of of kind of world football and and being part of the the conversation, but. Realistically, when you break, when you when you take a step back, City will win the league this year. City will win the league next year, and the year after that, probably. So, what's the point, <laughs> right? You can either play this way and finish third, or play exciting football and finish third. You could your, your likelihood of winning the Champions League is is incredibly difficult. And again, like they're the only two things that to me move the needle in any meaningful way. Like we could win an FA Cup. You, you could literally rest all your players and just. Go out and win the FA Cup and finish mid-table. No one would be happy with that. So this whole idea of like trophies just solve everything is just not true. It is, particularly for fans, right? There's only a select few clubs that will ever win the league and that will win it most years of the time you are alive, right? And we're living through, unfortunately, City being absolutely unbelievable and then adding one of the best strikers in the world to that team, right? And so now we have to deal with that. So... I just feel like we can get caught up in, oh, fucking hell, like, we're shit, we need to do this, we need to do that. And actually just take a step back and think, what are we all doing this for? Like, what? why do you follow your team? Like, what is the point of it all if it's not for enjoyment of, like, week to week and the feeling that you get? And we had a much better feeling with Poch winning nothing than we did when we won the League Cup in 2008. Yeah, bit- so. That's what we think. I think people need to just have a bit of sense of perspective on those things. Again, I'm not telling people how to follow Spurs or or anything to do that, but just for me personally, I think if you think about it in that way, it, it does make it easier to accept frustrating moments like this, and just and and what you actually want is important, um, which is you know the way it makes you feel.
1: It's it's funny, mate, because this is this is exactly where I wanted to sort of lead the pod to this this question of like essentially just. <laughs> The very sort of existential threat to football right now that Mm. is pretty much posed by teams like City, teams like PSG, when they finally get it right in the Champions Mm. League or whatever. I mean, they've got, they've effectively got League One sewn up every year. Man City have effectively got the Premier League sewn up every year. Real Madrid, I guess it's still a bit different in Spain because they haven't yet had that. I'd be interested to see and I'd be interested to know why the big money hasn't come in for someone like Atletico to sort of challenge that stranglehold that Madrid and Barcelona have over that league. And and what happens to that league if that does happen? Um, Because Real Madrid at the moment, you could look at them as maybe like Manchester United were here, but no Chelsea or Man City have ever come over there in Spain yet to kind of challenge them for that. Um, So just by that, I mean that Real Madrid are always going to have money in the same way that Manchester United have money, but there's, there's still a sort of a feeling of them being a slightly heritage brand now if you know what i mean as opposed yeah. to being this kind of new wave of of football and it's, it it does pose this interesting question is what are we as supporters like what are we what are we what are we looking for from this you know you could you often you often get this right you know and i do have these moments when i sort of i get down on spurs and i think fucking hell you know like there's every chance there is every like, realistically there is every chance I'll never see if I live to what, 80, 80 years old I'll yeah. never ever see Spurs win the league and there <laughs> is that sort of like there is that pain that comes with that of like oh but then it's like try telling that to somebody that follows a League 2 club up and down yeah. the country what joy do they get from that they get the joy of going to watch your football with their mates hoping they can maybe one day have a good FA Cup run see them get promoted or or whatever or just, just enjoy everything that there is about football but it feels to me increasingly, since Tottenham have gotten to maybe, let's should we say the Redknapp year, so YOL to Redknapp to sort of where we are now, there's this increasing anxiety about Spurs, about us not winning something massive, as opposed to just sort of dreaming of it, and as mm. opposed to kind of embracing every single time we beat Arsenal. As opposed to just looking at it as, "aha, we beat them and that means we finish in the top four. Just enjoying beating Arsenal for what it is. That kind of the pure ecstasy of that. And how we have now, this kind of, in the reverse of that. Oh, you know, don't, don't lose sight of what this is. This is one game in the context of an entire season. We're on course at the moment. Our projected points tally should be 90 points this year. Fuck that, man! Like I just want to be annoyed that we've lost to Arsenal, right? I don't, I don't need you to tell me like that. There's some statistical algorithm that shows me why I'm some pathetic moron that's being concerned by this because actually we played as well as them for X amount of time and it only took a red card. Red cards happen in fucking football, man! Like that happens. If Conte is like this messiah he should know that that can happen and he should have a better plan than just actually let's take off all our attacking threat and hope Arsenal don't win 5-1 like you know we're allowed to be annoyed about this stuff and I, I get it I get it on the flip side that like fans again like I say they want to sort of feel like there is a there is a there is a direction of travel there but if we really are like realistically looking at yeah, you know, we've built a massive stadium. Like we're a huge club, we're a huge brand yeah. now. But at the same time, there is just and I I really do feel that people do sort of underplay this type of thing. Our own fans, other fans, like the chasm between what we can realistically tangibly take on versus a club like Manchester City is it really is unbelievable. And I mean like people don't like him, but Miggy Delaney has been sort of banging this drum for like two seasons now just being like mm-hmm. Look, <laughs> we can all sort of idly go by and cheer on what clubs like Manchester City are doing. Because whatever, they stopped Liverpool winning the league or they're probably gonna stop Arsenal winning it this league this year. But it is it really is, it's destroying football as a spectacle. Yep. It is. Like there isn't there is no real hope for anybody else to we look at how long it took us to recover from a couple of missed Miss sort of firing transfers in the zone and Dombale. We we cannot. We still haven't been able to write them off. We can't sell them, and it is it's it's bottlenecking us in our own ambition because we have to recoup some of that money to be able to spend it. And people can say all they want. Oh, Levy's tight, or, or all this other sort of stuff that comes from various different places from various different people. But there's plenty of things. It's plenty of times that we can get annoyed with the sort of the stewardship of the club and. Decisions that have been made at certain points, but just this idea that, like, you know, there's been this whole narrative: back Conte, give him whatever he wants. But, but the reality of this is, you can't do that. Mm. Like, we 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 simply are not in a place to do that. Like, Arsenal have thrown everything at this team, and they're going to be in real trouble if they don't start winning stuff. Like, they really are. They've they've spent. I've, I saw it the other day. I think they've spent sort of close to a billion now. They've spent yeah. about eight hundred mil on assembling this squad that they have now which let's be honest really it still isn't even that deep they've got a good first 11 they've got a bit of a rotation there but it's not great you know you've got Manchester United who are fucking bankrupting themselves desperate to sort of get some of that success back but at the end of the day like none of these fan bases are happy nobody's happy I don't see Spurs as a particularly happy fan base anymore it's just, it's constant infighting. There's, you know, even even down to sort of players that people, once upon a time, people love people. Like Eric Dyer shushing the Emirates, all this sort of stuff that he's done in the past. Seems to like, you know, be a real sort of line of the club. Even people are fucking, they argue about him all the time. He's shit, he's this, he's that. You know, it's, people still argue about Harry Kane, whether or not he's he's actually that good. <laughs> if, if we should just let him go or we should not. Like, it, I, I just feel like this Thirst to win something just like it's, it's poisonous. It's toxic. And it it really is sort of, it, it it destroys kind of the, the total, like the fun of football. It really does. It It makes it horrible. It makes it like an unpleasant kind of thing. Like look at Manchester United. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. it's a mess. The whole club's a mess. And it, (laughs) a lot of it is down to like their own. I think it's a lot down to the way in which they've they've had this certain hubris, I think, for a long time, that they can just sign whoever they want and they'll still be up there because they're Manchester United and it's seen them spend crazy money on players like Alexis Sanchez or whatever other sort of... Yeah, it's 100 mil on this Anthony player, 100 mil on Casemiro, just chucking money out at kind of these off-the-peg players, hoping that they're going to somehow rekindle these Ferguson years. But the truth of the matter is that everybody is just kind of a slave to to what it is that Manchester City are doing, you know? Mm. We're all just desperately trying to sort of keep up with them. And then if it's not them, it will be Chelsea. I mean, remains to be seen, really. I don't think Boley has the same sort of punch that Abramovich had. So I, I can see them becoming just another sort of Manchester United um, doing all right. But, you know, I, at least what Arsenal have, like you say, the ironic thing is at least what Arsenal have now is... Look at the Emirates, man. Like, it's fucking rocking most, yep. most games now. They're loving it. They're absolutely loving it. I don't see that as Spurs. I don't. Like,
0: are we having fun? You know? <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: <laughs> exactly, this, but this is the thing, though, man. I think, um, I think basically, we live in a society now—not just in football, but obviously it bleeds into it—of immediacy. Right? Yeah. You have to give, you have to give basically a binary decision on opinion immediately on everything, all of the time. So the Eric Dyer thing is a really interesting one. Like Michael Dawson is considered a club legend because he played in an era where that immediacy wasn't there. Right? So. He's just, net effect of the years he was with us is positive, so he gets a positive view. Eric Dyer has had a, a better career for Spurs than Dawson has, but he will probably, depending on the last game he plays for us, that's how he'll be remembered. And it's the same with players we sign. Like I remember, I don't know what it was like, Twelve games Romero played for us, and people were saying things like, "He's better than King. He's better than Toby. He's better than Yan. He's better than." And I was just at the time saying, "Look, he looks great, and he may well go on to be better. But until this guy plays a hundred games, I don't want to hear it. Because how are you? How are you judging that? You know, and I've had exactly the same. You know, I had a couple of I bumped into a couple of Guna mates at the marathon, and went to see a couple of friends running the marathon." Talking about Saliba, exactly the same. Oh, I think he might be the best centre-back in the league. He's played eight games. And I think this is the world that we live in now where everything is so immediate. You have to give it an opinion. It can't just be, let's wait and see. You're not allowed to. You just have to go, no, they're shit. They're good. They're the best player ever. They're the best centre-back we've ever had. They're the worst player we've ever had. There's never any time for people to take things in. And I think this is part of, again, part of the sort of problem with with... Spurs in some instances, in terms of our fan bases, we I think we've been very patient as a club, right? We've gone through a lot of shit. We've had I don't know whether it is just us, but every time I watch Premier League years, the most ridiculous thing that happens in that season happens to us, basically. And any pick a random year, the most mad thing that happens will be a Spurs game, or we'll concede the most outrageous goal, whatever it is. So I think we are a pretty patient fan base, but I do think we are all now caught up in the immediacy of football, and we want it now. We've had enough and we've decided that it's our time. And I don't want to say entitlement because that that's, I think, reserved for clubs like Manchester United and that kind and Chelsea. They, they have an entitlement. We have a desire, like a real desire to do something. And I think that we feel like we've earned it because, you know, if you look at this Arsenal team, the way they talk about it and some of the comparisons are, it's like Pochettino's team. No, it isn't. It's about five times the cost to assemble it. Just because they're young <laughs> doesn't make them like the Pochettino team. That team we assembled, look at the price differences between the squad we assembled, and we spent some money, right? Sun was like twenty million plus and um, you know, we spent a bit of money on Toby and players like that. But the likes of like Walker and Rose and Dembele and Wanyama and Delhi particularly was ve- were very cheap, even by the standards of the of the day. And then look at the, the Chelsea team that won the league and just add up the cost of that squad to assemble it and what they were sold for, some of those players. We, we we were genuinely punching against giants and were given a bit of praise for it, right? And I think that's the thing that winded most of us up is when we tried to do it the organic, natural way of building a team of young, hungry players that p- we played a certain brand of football and we really gave it a go and gave those giants a bloody nose the media didn't give a shit and didn't really want to know and didn't really care because they were just a bit like, just know your place. Now we are acting and looking like a big club with huge facilities and we can we can now spend a bit of money. It's the other way around. It's like, well, you haven't won anything, so just shut the fuck up. And so I do think we're stuck in this place where we as the fans absorb the media's attitude towards us, which is basically, until you win something, we don't want to hear about you. Shut up. And so we have to now... As fans kind of get behind that idea because yeah. that's where we're where we're being pigeonholed. And I think it's really frustrating because, you know, as we were saying before, if you go back to how we were under Pochettino, I think everyone was happy. And that was the most united fan base we've had. Um and you know, since then it's been basically everyone blaming each other, pick a side and see what happens.
1: <sighs> um a mate of mine actually, a guy called Martin Hendry, um Hello Martin, if you're listening. He made a good point this weekend, we are talking about, um, I was, he, was, he was basically, he was making the point sort of to what you're saying there, John, is that at the moment, there's a lot of dissatisfaction about the world at large. There's a lot of anxiety mm. and people don't really have a, anything to point their eye at, right? You know, because politicians, we all feel that they don't listen. The system feels completely broken on that side of things. You've got the environment, all these sort of various you know, coronavirus, whatever, all these various different things that people have got to sort of worry about that. We just feel so exhausted that what they actually do is channel a lot of that envy and a lot of that rage into something that feels closer. And a lot of the time that's our kind of, I think he called them like our cultural artifacts. So be that I hate this new Marvel film because of reasons. I hate the new game of Thrones because of reasons. I hate my football team because of reasons. And when I look at when I actually look around at me, it's like it it does kind of ring true that you mm-hmm. know I see people get more angry about things like this than bigger issues, and I'm not saying that in like a whoa man, like why don't people <laughs> why don't people care more? Why don't you like project that elsewhere? Like because I do get it. I think we all sort of feel a bit helpless. But that that was just a side note anyway. About that, um, do we <laughs> are there any are there any silver linings to that game, mate? Because I think one that you touched on. Um, I did want to sort of highlight what Clement Longley had done because I think he, for all the sort of the the greatness about Arsenal side, for all the sort of the good players they had, I think like Martinelli and uh, Jesus were giving Romero and Royale a fucking horrible time. But on the other side of the pitch, I think Longley kept. I think he had Saka in his pocket for most of the game, to be honest. And Saka's one of their better players. Um, so. You know, are we starting to see kind of like him find his way into the team more? Are you are you happier seeing him in there than Ben Davies, perhaps?
2: So, so I'd say I've always been a um, been a kind of loyal supporter of Ben Davies, particularly in this three, because I just think he's, he's never really like played badly in that position. He's done well. And so when there was talk of, we need to get a left-sided replacement, I was a bit like, oh, this seems like a bit of a waste of funds, like there are other positions. But that being said, I think like, you, you only really realize the difference when someone does come in and, and up it a little bit. And I think basically he he's been really good. I have to like I have to say I was a bit I didn't I hadn't seen that much of him prior. I knew that he was like once hyped, then it didn't quite work out at yeah. Barcelona and he was coming to us and I thought, well, these things often go one way or the other, right? You either rebuild your career or it's that slow decline into nothingness. But it does seem like there is a player there, and he's been he's been pretty good. And I thought he was good in that in in the game. I think what he offers is is calmness in possession. Like Davis, is, I think is a, is a solid defender, and he's quite happy to put himself about. And he's not bad going forward; like he can get involved. But I think Longley's calmness, when we got possession back, I do think does help us. And I think to to answer your kind of initial point around is there a silver lining? Like yeah. Because I still think the point stands, which is that we still haven't played well yet, right? And you're playing a team that are bang in form at their place. We never do well there. And despite the the statistic... Uh, ...did basically take a lot of punishment. However, you can basically play shit and win games, to, like kind of tactic, right? And we had... I think someone actually put together a really good... Um, thread of four or five breaks that were one pass away from getting into a goal-scoring position. Now, you still have to take the chance, granted, but it's Kane and Son we're talking about in those positions. So it does give you a lot more of a chance. Now, on another day, you take those chances, you take one of those chances, the game completely changes. You you don't know what direction that goes in. Now, if your tactic is, we're going to sit in, take punishment, and hit teams on the counter, which is what our tactic was, you have to score on the counter. Mm -hmm. And we had enough chances to have to have really created the final chance to score, right? And we didn't do that. We were just, again, hadn't clicked in the game and we haven't clicked all season. So I do think there's a reason to believe that those things will start clicking in the same way they did last year. I think my only hope is that I think this personal... Personally, I think this system is not quite the right one. I know there's been a lot of panda for 3-5-2 and I think it's time that we at least experiment with that. And also the other silver lining... And again, I don't want to go too hard on him because one, I think he's a professional footballer who's, who is, as we found out, spent a lot of his own money to try and improve. And you have to admire that. And I, know, I actually did listen to your pod where you initially started just absolutely gunning uh, Emerson White out off. Maybe you could spend a bit more money on learning how to cross. Um, and then suddenly he was like, actually, do you know what? That's pretty, pretty out of order. Um, I, I kind of did the same thing, right? I, I, immediately was like spend some money on not being shit mate uh, and then and that would be a lot better. But look, I admire him for that. However, I, I want to see Spence. I don't care what yeah. you know people say about oh but he's in, he's never played in the Premier League. He's championship. You know, he, he needs time to bed in. Delio didn't need any time. Didn't he was in League One and just came in and just hit the ground running. Some players can just make the step up. I don't think it's as big a we're not asking him to be a midfield maestro in a Champions League team we're asking him to play wing back Doherty played there for us and people were again clamouring for Doherty, who previously for playing for us had played for Wolves like what level is that in comparison to what we're trying to achieve but everyone's fine with that as a concept Sessegnon on the other side what level did he really played at before Spurs Fulham and he got them up and then they went straight back down like
1: and Andy Robertson from Hull to Liverpool a
2: prime you know. example right Is he's one, he's one of the best and has been you know, one of the best fullbacks in the world. Why why don't we try? Like, if it's a case of we don't think, well yeah, yeah, but you don't know. So find out. Give him five games, and if he's absolutely dog shit, then fine, send him out alone. But he won't be. He won't be any worse than Doherty or Royale. He might make the odd mistake, but it'll definitely give you more upside. And at this moment in time, I want to see it. And if we don't see it, while Royale suspended, then that will really piss me off because I sort of think I get that you, Conte, didn't really want him signed. It wasn't like he said, we've got to go and get Spence. But you've got, you've got to see that there's a player there. I mean, that is that is just beyond stubborn if he doesn't get a chance. And I think um, just one final point on this kind of silver linings thing in terms of the way that we've go forward. My understanding from that inter-team that won the league is that he was kind of forced into playing Ericsson due to some injuries and suspensions. And then Eriksson, basically after not really playing for Inter just suddenly became like very involved in that team. Um, I'm not saying Sp- Spence will like, you know, go on to be as impactful as Eriksson, but the point still stands, which is that because he's so stubborn, sometimes I think he maybe is forced into stuff that actually benefits him. And I really do hope that we are kind of forced into either a formation change as a result of you know, what happened against Arsenal because I think three in midfield getting a grip on the game is much more in our favour and playing Spence, that is something that would excite me and I do feel like that is a happy medium between playing in a cautious way, so not just giving, you know, teams more of a chance to score, but we'd have more possession and I think people want to see us be on the front foot and have more possession a bit more and seeing Spence. I think those two things, if he changes the formation and plays Spence for five games and it goes well, people will be back on board again.
1: Seeing Spence, that like, overlap with Kulosevsky, you know? oh, that type of, and we, we saw it just in that, in that little glimpse of when he brought him on against Nottingham Forest, just that, that kind of that thrust he gave to the team, being able to run forwards in that way. And in all, all the compilations and stuff we've seen, his kind of, like I've called it before, like his bullish nature, you yeah. know, you can see how he, how he would just go at an opposition, uh, Sort of wing back or whatever. It is. I don't know, man. I just, I just want to see the lad play. You know that thing. That's yep. that's one of the most exciting things about football is signing a young player who seems talented and just sticking them in the team, seeing what happens. You know, yeah,
2: totally. I mean, how many times did the ball go out to Royale in that game, and Arsenal just let him have it? Because, and teams do this a lot now. Is they know he, he just he can't produce any consistent level of danger from that side. Um, I think you mentioned it as well on, on your sort of um, kind of post-match pod, which is call really just gives the yeah. ball out wide and it's over. It's like the move is just done at that point because they just go, go on then. they just drop off him, which means that there's, you know, if you look at the other way around, when the ball went to Saka on the right-hand side, Longley was there and Perisic doubled up. And sometimes Sun was even back there to make a third man, right? When Royale gets the ball, there's one defender and that's it. And that means they can have another defender in the box marking someone, or on the edge of the box, closing off the shot option. That is that is the difference. If you had Spence, he would go past that one man and he'd get the ball in the box. That is a different a different game completely. If you've got threats on both sides, they can't just let them both go at their fullbacks. They will have to double up, and that means you have overlaps at the back. How many times did we see... Arsenal on one side, and then switch it to the other, and add add an overload on the other side. It happens so many yeah. times in that game. We don't have that threat because we don't have fullbacks that people are scared of outside of Perisic, who is 33 and is not what he was. So again, they're they're less likely to be super concerned about him. So I just think we we have to see him, Jack. Like I really, I, I'm actually excited because I feel like he's got to play him now. And if he doesn't, then like who knows where we go from there?
1: I'm worried that he's just going to put Doherty in. Like, you know, yeah, there. Yeah. It's, it's just it's yeah. it just it feels that way. Look, yeah. I'm sure everybody's sort of tired of us kind of ragging on Spurs at the moment. So let's uh, let's just fucking turn a, a bit of ire on Arsenal because yeah, all right, yeah, they've done very well and everything. Can I can I just be like I'm I'm going to say it because I tweeted it this morning that that fucking this North London Forever song, this thing that they're oh, trying right, to force God. at the top end of their games. They're just desperate for that, like you'll never walk alone type thing, aren't they? And it's, yeah. but it's just such contrived, like mawkish, plastic shit. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's like even when they do have an atmosphere there, it's, it's just oh, this is what other teams do. It does, it, it just doesn't feel organic there. It doesn't feel like it's, it, it, it fits right. Yeah, they're
2: basically, mate. If, if like fan bases were social medias, right? It's like Burnley would be like Facebook, right? It's like your dad and your mum like slagging off their neighbours. Spurs would be Twitter, just like everyone just round with each other, even though we're supposed to be on the same team. Man City or Instagram, right? It's just all the stuff that looks nice. There's none of the bad shit behind the scenes. Arsenal or TikTok, a bunch of pricks dancing to stupid fucking songs, and everyone thinks they're a bunch of cunts. That, that, that's what it is. And I said this again, like, pre-match, is every football team in, in the country has, like, different groups of fans, right? You get the, the hoolies who just don't really care about football. They're there to smash people up and show their latest aqua scoot and purchase. Then you've got the normal, I would say, like, the and I's of football, right? We like watching football. We like the game. We like to go and watch it. We like to talk about it. We like to see it, see it with our mates and after that it kind of goes then you get these weird like twitter instagram tiktok football fans who you know have that like their avies of like football players and they like they think that basically spurs have never won a trophy because we haven't won one since 2008 those kind of weirdos arsenal just have a much bigger proportion of of their fans are in that bracket than any other club in the country like by some way i'd say like it's like 80% of their fan base is that weird contrived plastic fucking TikTok dances and bullshit and that's that's why they're such bellends that's why they have so many kits and so many it's like Club Shop FC and fucking Deneo doing party hard songs and then you know all this shit coming out about him like they are just they're just a fucking bunch of bellends as a fan base and that's what makes it so annoying that they're our rivals I mean Flav
1: talks about it all the time it's like we need better rivals because they're just such bellends but it's just it's not it's not fucking fair right? it's 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 so annoying that our sort of downturn or whatever, you know, what it kind of looks like we're... I mean, it's not even a downturn. We're still nah. fucking doing all right. But just, why do we have to have so many fucking rivals? Really, honestly. what do Spurs have to have so many that all fucking hate us so much? Like, it, make, it makes it so hard for us to do anything, any fucking season. We've got them, we've got fucking Chelsea, West Ham on an liar than that we've got teams like fucking Southampton and Leicester. Yeah. They all just fucking show up against us. And like why can't right if, if if City aren't going to win it can't we just have it like United do it for a couple of years or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. You know I I'd, I'd even take Liverpool doing it. Why do these have to sort of actually look all right again now? Why do they because I know people are people are desperately sort of saying now the wheel's going to come off the wheel's going to come off I think they're going to push City all the way, mate. I do. I I think there's a certain momentum there that they've got that is, once you've got it, you just have to cling on to it. Liverpool did it a couple of years ago. And just looking at them, looking at the sort of spirit that they have there, I think things like that can paper over the cracks of your squad not being entirely amazing. And I think they've just, they've got that, what is it? People call it bottled lightning, you know, that you Mm. just kind of get sometimes... And I do think they've got. I think they've got a whiff of that about them. I don't think they. I don't think that's not me saying by any means that they are the best team in the country or the second best team in the country. I don't think that they are at all. But I do think they've got a little something about them where I don't just see them like collapsing. I don't suddenly see them mid-season the wheels coming off and them sort of plummeting down the league. I think they are. I think they're serious this year, and it does. It poses this it poses this horrible, I mean obviously right yeah great okay I just that means I want City to win it if Spurs aren't going to do it I just want Haaland to carry on being the monster that he's being yeah. City to win the league but it all plays into that thing doesn't it you know if if Arsenal are playing great football like Liverpool played Liverpool should have won three or four Premier oh, League yeah. titles but they didn't you know <laughs> Do, do we do we want to back the monster to like? No, I mean, we don't want Arsenal to win. don't get me wrong. I'm not in any way saying. that. I'm just talking about like the, the the whole problem with football right now is that if if even if a club like Arsenal doing what they're doing don't win it, then you know I no, I don't give a fuck. Actually, fuck them. I don't care yeah, about fuck Arsenal. But scenario, I do think they're good. I do think they're good, and yeah, it stinks.
2: Yeah, I mean, So I said. But again before the game and then obviously after the game you, you have to kind of re- reassess because that's probably the first time I've actually watched 90 minutes of them if I'm honest right because why the fuck would you watch them otherwise um, and I watched them get a bit of a beating against United and I was basically going into the game thinking well we'll just play like United and we've got better counter attack so we'll just win this game that's kind of how I was thinking right ever the optimist going into the game o- on reflection they are better than I gave them credit for like they are, they are quite decent and they, I think particularly like I think Odegaard is a player no one talks about. He was, for me anyway, was absolutely running that game. And again, is another reason why I think we need to play three because no one could get near him because the way we were lined up, he was just left free at all times, and he was just getting the ball and was able to just spread it from left to right. So, like they obviously have good players, but the the thing, the reason why I think the wheels, I think again, is like we were speaking about before, mate. This idea of the wheels will fall off, like they'll just plummet. I think there's a difference between the wheels falling off and them being in a slightly false position. And I actually think there's probably a happy medium, which is they're not going to win the league and they're not, the wheels aren't going to fall off. But I just don't think they are, um, over the course of a season, going to have quite enough. There's no way a player like Saliba after these eight games we will play the next eight games to this level like, he, he's been he will, obscene hasn't he he's been so good like he is he is again very talented in the same way as Romero is very talented yeah. but Romero had 14 games where he was fucking unbelievable and I was like oh my god like wow yeah. this guy's incredible right? and now we're seeing the other side to, to his game where he's, he's not been great and so somewhere in the middle is his actual form I think there are quite a few Arsenal players that are playing in that they're way too uh, kind of on the left basically of their the balance is somewhere in the middle and they're way in the green at the moment it will go a little bit to the orange and red at some point and they're going to sort of eventually find their their middle ground and when they do that over the course of a season it's not enough to win against City and I think basically the reason to go kind of full circle the reason that Conte plays the way he does is you can mask a little bit about where your players form is by playing this way. And so maybe the upside for us is that when you do start getting a few of these players hitting the old Pro Evo up green arrow, you're going to start getting some good performances out of the team because you're going to say, well, look, the basic level we play at is a 6 out of 10, regardless of form. You start adding good form into that, then you start hitting the 7s, 8s, 9s. So I do think there's a, a lot of that in there. And just to, um, just to kind of, I think you mentioned it right at the beginning, about the game itself, I do think that the red card did have a a bit of an impact. The shit goal to concede was definitely a problem. But I do want to talk about the red card, because I've seen a lot of people going, yeah, yeah, bang to rights. I've never seen a red card for that tackle ever in football. Really? Never. I I, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I was genuinely a bit like, okay, he's going to get booked for that, because it's just like cynical. He hasn't left the ground there's no particular force. It's just high on the back of his leg. Next game next game of football that you watch, someone will make that tackle on the halfway line. They'll just rake someone on the back of their ankle and there will be a foul and they'll get booked. I don't understand what about this was different. I heard people going, it's dangerous. He could have broken his leg. Like, I, I Watch the foul. He just rakes him on the back of his ankle. like On the back of his uh, calf, sorry. I'm like, it's not nice. It's a booking, 100%. But I've never seen a red card for it. There's... There's about, someone again put on Twitter like a thread of basically the same tackle in like loads of games. Um, what's his name? Le Congo plays for Arsenal. Did it against United. Didn't even get booked. And it's worse. The guy's running and he's just straight legging him and he's just smashed him in the back of the leg. Didn't even get booked. So I just, it was got, I don't think it necessarily changed the outcome. I don't think we were going to win that game if I'm honest. But it's never, like for me, it was never red And I can't believe that like the way the commentary was talking about like, oh you ca- you just can't do that in the modern game I was like this is not a, like a flying tackle at knee height this is not a two footer this is not going through the back of someone he's just he's just clipped him on the back of the ankle like, I, I, honestly it was completely phased me so It was such a I, I, yeah, I, I
1: thought it was soft but I wasn't like I wasn't shocked that they'd given it do you know what I mean I think he mm. he, he at the end of the day, there was no there was no real need for Real to sort of make a challenge like that where he had done, and it, it felt like he was lashing out. Really, he 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 got them to ask the question, that's why I was more annoyed of him mm. really than than the officials. I do think the officiating was pretty dodgy all day um, for for both teams. For both I teams, thought he, really. he was yeah, yeah,
2: he was shocking. I thought the ref like he was letting stuff go that was like quite physical, and then he'd just give a little nudge in the back and he'd be like, yeah. And it's like I, I don't know how the players know what to do, which is probably why Royale just thinks, "Fuck it, I'll just leave one on him. I'll get booked, right?" Because there were t- there were tackles flying in, there were like really like big physical confrontations that were just he was just letting it go. And so like, I I do p- the net effect of this letting more stuff go. I'm in favor of because I think football has got way too the other way. The problem is is that every so often you see a red a red card for this, and I'm like, I don't know what the rules are then, because I've seen. Matt Cash's tackle on Doherty last year was fucking mental.
1: Like that's a it was, red card. It was yeah, it was really. That's a that. that's a red yeah, card, yeah,
2: and was. you you want to compare that to this? No, 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 no. I do, I just I mean, make even, it make sense.
1: Look, well, I mean, I think one one argument I did see is as well as if if Royals is a red card, then geezers from Nottingham Forest on Richarlison when he was doing the key uppies, go. you know, is is a definite red card. It's a lifetime ban. But we it's all fucking celebrate that, you know, because right. what Richarlison did a few keepy uppies. It's funny how the same sort of media outlets have been decidedly quiet on him having a banana thrown at him though. Where's that? absolutely? Where's the same level of outrage on that one? Um, absolutely. Oh mate, um, just just a quickly one because we do have the Champions League coming up mm. on Tuesday. Are we, I mean, we're not going to, I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt, whatever they, I think they beat the top of the, they beat the team that's at the top of the Bundesliga this year, but it seems as to be that the team that was at the top of the Bundesliga is a bit of a West Ham that's having a good run at the <laughs> okay. moment. So, you know, we can take from that what we want. They, they are historically a bit of a a Spurs, apparently. They did win mm. the Europa League last year, so they've kind of got that off their back, but they have been ever the bridesmaid, apparently. Yeah. Um, are we in a funny position now though mate with the Champions League where because it's it's funny a, a mate of mine an Arsenal fan actually talking about the game after after the game he's one of the less insufferable ones but he was saying about Spurs that you've kind of got that funny whiff of you now about the sort of the death throes of the Wenger era where you're still like you're a good side and you're always going to be around about the top 4 because you've got some good players but there's nothing particularly exciting about you and you're almost in that weird place where you get into the Champions League, but being in the Champions League is a distraction from you getting into the Champions League again next year. Like, <laughs> and do you kind of do you kind of feel that at all? That like we have these midweek games, it's like, oh, this is really annoying because we're going to kind of be distracted from the weekend's game where we want to finish in the top four again. Or do we just have to enjoy the fact that for everything that Arsenal have thrown at us this weekend, yes, they beat us in the North London derby. But as Antonio Conte said, last year they beat us in the North London Derby at the Emirates. They were four points ahead of us until the tail end of the season. And now this year we're playing Champions League football and they're playing in the Europa League. Yeah. Do we just have to enjoy it, mate?
2: I think we do. I think we, and this is the thing. I was thinking. I mean, these are the sort of weird things that go through my head. I was thinking. Right, I'm going to go for a walk this morning. I wear my like little Spurs drill top, and then I was thinking, ah, oh, boy, if I see a goon and he gives me three one, and then in my mind, I'm talking to myself, going, yeah, Champions League, though, isn't it? Just give him that. It's like how is the Europa League? I hope you're enjoying it. And so I think fundamentally, that there, there is your answer. Is like we are playing in a level above. Like that doesn't just get kind of forgotten about because they win one game that could ultimately be meaningless because, again, we could finish above them. It's That's the sort of difference between, you know, what happens game by game versus over the course of a season. What we did last year, no one gives a shit about the individual results because we finished in the Champions League. So now we're just like, well, we're Champions League, you're not. And they're not going, yeah, but we beat you at home. It's like, no, no one cares, right? So I think that there is a little bit of that. And also, going back to our conversation And I know people say, oh, Conte's not really, you know, he's done nothing in Europe. He's all about the league. That, again, is frustrating to me because I'm like, they actually, out of the big, big trophies to win, weirdly, this sounds berserk, Jack, but I think we've got more chance of winning the Champions League than we have of winning the league because City are so dominant, as we've discussed. They've got Haaland. Now, I know maybe that that will help them in the Champions League, but they haven't been great. And, you know, we obviously put a a big dent in in them and and knocked them out um, when we got to the final. So I kind of feel like I want us to, to put – I'd rather us put all our eggs in the basket of trying to win the thing and finish outside the top four and then go in the cycle of like, okay, fine, well, then this year we'll concentrate on getting back in it than just get in that perpetual cycle of let's just make sure we qualify for it. Because if you think about it, it is kind of like madness in the sense of you're just qualifying to qualify – For it, like, what's the point? Like, if you're not going to try and win it, you're just going, Oh, well, we need to qualify so we can get more money. Why? So we can make sure we qualify for it again next year. Why? Well, so we can get more money so we can qualify for it again the year after that. Like, but why? Like, it's just mad. It's like a
1: maddening, like, you know, there's like Escher paintings, you know, like the staircases (laughs) that just go round and round and round.
2: It's a paradox, is what we're living in, basically. And so for me, I'd, I'd rather us go. Okay, fine. Like, let's see if we can get out of the group stage. And if we do, I'd rather us just go all legs in that basket personally and give it a go. Because, for a number of reasons, one, it's the biggest trophy, so it just gets that off your back. Two, it would just be hilarious to do it and just really rub that in all Gooners' faces. Like that, that, that would never be able to be changed. That fact that we did it before them, um, and just being able to just sing Champions of Europe like that is just next level like winning the Premier League would be amazing but I feel like there's something so so special about the Champions League which is what made it so hard and has probably to all of us just completely ruined us is that we didn't do it when we were in the final so yeah I want us to, to go into this game and try and, and try and get out of the group in a, in a really strong way because I want us to have a good run.
1: Oh, man, imagine that that feeling. Champions of oh. Europe, you'll never sing that. Ringing around the Emirates. Even if they're beating us <sighs> yeah. 4-0 next year at the Emirates with fucking their big new signing, Harry Kane, <laughs> wearing a fucking Arsenal shirt. He's so Campbell does. And still, yeah. we get to sing Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. After they've just gone this season, 98 points and they still haven't won the league. But that, that's the other thing about them being good, right? Yeah. Them getting good at this time when... Manchester City have signed and you know I'm going to be honest I thought he was going to be bang average same but Erling Haaland who has just I mean come on man like you just it's one of those players you just got to look at and just think fucking hell like yes. you know when just when you sort of think that football couldn't get better a, a guy that size to be that athletic that quick that <laughs> strong yes,
2: man, you know Oh, my God, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, so this is why. This is why I think we now... Look, Spurs have, have historically been a cup team, right? We were labelled with that as, like, a slur for a long time. Oh, you just a cup yeah. team, right? <laughs> now it's like you're a no-cup team. So I would take just winning cups, and as if we won that, uh, again, I think um, Spooky mentioned this, maybe on this pod, actually. I'd just retire that'd be it I'd just be like thank you that's it it's never getting better than this I've enjoyed it it's been brilliant Um, yeah I'll hand in all my stuff all my pin badges all my old shirts you can have them all back that was brilliant thanks for the memories see you later and that would be the perfect way to sign off wouldn't it
1: it really would be mate it really would be Um, and speaking of signing off mate I'll I'll let you do one now I know you've got to get off so thank you for thank you for coming on Royal the Roots today mate it's been been a pleasure it's been in in the offing for a while so uh, you know hopefully, uh, hopefully you're nice and you're nice and fit again for your, for appearing on the fighting cock again soon.
2: Yeah, thank you, mate. I'm getting up to full match fitness. And honestly, mate, thank you so much. I'm a big fan of the pod. It's been uh, been thank lovely you. coming on. And always available, mate. If you need me, I'll
1: get you on soon. All right. And Beautiful. congrats, congrats as well on the wedding, mate. It uh, looks like a a lovely affair. And you, you look. I've got to say, mate. Looking pretty glorious yourself as well. So good bless you your dad.
2: heart. Thank you, mate. I was going i was actually gonna say to you, do you know what? The one thing about this like wedding is that I've like lost a bit of weight to try and get in shape because Reem, the other half, has been. She's looked tremendous. Uh, she's lost a lot of weight to make sure she gets in shape. I've had more stick now for losing weight than when I was at my fattest, <laughs> uh, right? Which is just peak men and just. Like your, like your mates just it's just mental it's like um, Vito Spatterfor in Sopranos right he was massive before and he got a little bit of stick then he loses the weight and he gets more banter than he's ever had before and we all know what happened to him in the end so cheers mate appreciate it
1: let's just hope you don't end with a pool cue up your ass <laughs> exactly say. exactly